0: about and what powerful, powerful teaching that we've been getting on that, such good life application stuff that we can take out into our daily lives and into our homes and into our families, into our workplaces, into our children's life, all these things that can help us to live our day-to-day lives and help us to understand exactly what the enemy's trying to do to us and who we are. So we're going to finish off tonight with Jealousy and Envy enemies of the heart, and tonight will be jealousy is what the book calls it, but uh, pastor wanted to more focus on the envy part of it. Jealousy, when I looked at biblical meanings of, of each was the Bible described jealousy as something that you have that you're afraid to lose, and envy as coveting something that somebody else has. So his preference or his idea was to look Closer at the envy part of that. And they closely, especially in this book that he's been discussing, kind of intertwine those things. But I do want to start off with a couple scriptures, if we can, and talk a little bit about this in Proverbs uh, 14 and verse 30. And it says, And sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. And 23 17 through 19. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine, our winebibbers, among rioters, eaters of the flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to look at jealousy and envy tonight. And I do want to start off just reading. And this is the book that Pastor has been teaching from or what actually gave him the, the thought and the inspiration to do this series. It's Andy Stanley, Enemies of the Heart. And he did give me this to, to study up for this jealousy and envy part of it. And just as soon as I started reading it, and I know he, he encouraged us to possibly get it um, after he started the series. But once I started reading it, I was like, Wow. This is really good teaching, and I can see why he's an inspired pastor to do this series. But we're going to take the biblical application and the apostolic application, we're going to make it right for us and what we're teaching. But I do want to read just a a little bit uh, from this because I thought it was so profound. But it says, what we've already been talking about, guilt says, I owe you. So the solution is confession. Anger is fueled by the notion that you owe me so that debt is, re, is remedied with forgiveness. Greed is kept alive by the assumption that I owe me, a twisted way of thinking that's remedied through generous or generous giving. The fourth of these insidious threats is similar, jealousy, and it says that God owes me. And then it goes on to say, every one of these four invaders of the heart is fueled by the notion that somebody owes somebody something, and it's the debt dynamic that gives each of these monsters its power regardless of who owes what to whom, as long as someone's holding onto a debt, there will be tension in a relationship. That's so true, and it's so powerful, and it's exactly what we're going to look at, some of the scripture, and some of the the stories behind this. But I look at all these four things that, that we've been learning about through this series, and I see these these are principalities. What these are are principalities, and the, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities. So... I think it's important that we have to take a look at these these four things, along with other of these principalities that we struggle with, that we fight against and understand that this is what the enemy's coming at us with. This is what the enemy is coming at us with. And I don't understand sometimes how we don't examine these things and look closer at these things and have a game plan. If the enemy is studying us and looking at us and saying, I'm going to study them. I'm going to take these principalities and I'm going to attack you and I'm going to tear apart your marriages, your jobs, your daily life and constantly come at you with these principalities. But yet sometimes we struggle to really analyze and look at these things. Why is that? It could be a number of things. It could be we don't like to look inside of us and see the the nitty-gritty of of what we don't want to see. We're afraid of what might be inside of there. We're afraid of of what we might uncover that's in us that we don't even want to think about. So we pretend that it's not even there. Or maybe we just don't even want to acknowledge that it's us. You know, I I look at, at these things and I say, this is exactly what we need to have a game plan and study these things against. None of these things are new. The enemy's been bringing these same things at humanity for thousands of years. It's not like he's all of a sudden identified a certain thing or two that he might be able to bring against us individually that, that is different or unique to us. Some things are. Some things are handed down from generation or whatever. But generally, they're going to all fit somewhere in these, these principalities, these things that he's attacking, these enemies of the heart. They're going to tear us apart and tear our relationships down. So I wonder, why do we not have a game plan to study these things? And to analyze ourselves and say, well, what is it that causes me to feel this way? What is it that causes me to react this way? I'm going to actually study this. What is this this envy? What is this anger? What is this greed? What are these things that that are coming against me? And stir up these emotions inside of me and start to analyze things and come up with a game plan of saying, okay, I see what you're doing now, Satan. I see how you're coming against me now. Because now I'm studying these principalities that you're bringing against me. I see that there's things that, that Paul talks about in his epistles. I see that there's books been written. But most of all, what James and the New Testament and all these things are teaching us about how the enemy is attacking us. But yet we sometimes say, well, I don't want to deal with that. I don't know that I want to actually look at that or try and analyze myself because it's really ugly inside there. And I don't, I don't feel good when I start to acknowledge those things or see those things inside of me. We have to have a game plan to learn how to attack these things when they start coming at us. What football coach doesn't have a game plan? If they go into a game with no game plan, what's going to happen? What general, what sergeant of any army, what, what are they going to do when they go to a, a battle without any game plan at all? We have to study our, the enemy. Some people don't even want to acknowledge the enemy. They want to pretend that he doesn't even exist. There's so many false doctrines out there now saying, Don't even believe in hell. Don't believe in Satan. Those those things don't exist. We're just going to believe these good things. But the enemy is very real. He's very real and he's attacking us and it's up to us to say, okay, if you're studying me and you're understanding me and what my weaknesses are and how you can bring one of these things against me, I'm going to study why I react that way and how it tears me down so I can understand how to respond when these things start to happen. So I think we have to understand that these are principalities that are coming against us. We we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but these principalities that are coming against us. So we have to understand that and go at these things and say, all right, I'm going to understand. Now I feel this way. Okay, that envy is coming up in me or that jealousy or that anger is coming up in me. So now I know Satan. I've identified that's what you're attacking me with. It's important that we understand that these are principalities. This is what's coming at us. If we don't, our children are going to suffer. Our marriages are going to suffer. Our jobs are going to suffer. Our churches are going to suffer. The people that we're witnessing to will suffer. Everything suffers if we're constantly battling with these principalities and not saying, I do have victory over these things because the word gives me victory. The name of Jesus gives me victory over these things. So I'm going to fight against these things with his name and with prayer. I'm going to stand up to these things. But I look at jealousy and I look at envy and I say, I can see how this, these are the, this is the root of all these other things that we've talked about. I mean, envy certainly can cause uh, anger Right, envy can certainly cause somebody to be angry. I mean, it can certainly cause those feelings to come up and say, "Well, I'm envious of this," even though we may not want to admit that's what we're envious of. But I'm angry about this, so it it can certainly drum that up. It, It it can certainly drum up the other things that we've been talking about because it's the root of those things. It's going to stir those things up. It certainly can cause greed. Right. I mean, if I'm envious of something, there's a chance that I'm going to be greedy for something and I'm going to want more. So I can see how envy is kind of the root when you dig down and you keep digging down, that envy is part of all those things that's coming against us. So we got to understand what is envy. And in this book, it gave a good description of it. And it says, you want something, but you don't get it. (laughs) Amen. I think that's a great way to put what envy is and jealousy is. You want something but don't get it. So how often is that the root of so many of the problems, the struggles, the relationship conflicts that we have is I want something but I'm not getting it. When we boil it all down we can probably get down to that point. I wanted something out of this and I didn't get it so now I'm angry. Now I've got a problem with this person. So And we look at it where it says the book says God owes us. We look at what other people have. So we start to think that God owes me. And that's going to cause discouragement. That's going to cause me to have those other feelings, the anger. It's going to cause me to have the greed. But it's certainly going to be envy at the bottom of it. There's something that I want. You want something, but you didn't get it. So we start peeling away and peeling away and peeling away. And then we find out that the root of all those things is there's something that I wanted right here that I didn't get. And it, we look at people and we say, well, certainly for me, uh, there's times where I'm like, well, it would be nice to be a little bit taller, you know. Some people say I want I want to be better looking, I want a better haircut, I want to be more athletic. I would be, I would rather have that car, that house, whatever it may be. And sometimes we're not even understanding that those thoughts are going through our head, but they're going through our heads, and they're causing this envy to be stirred up. They're causing these feelings, this anger, to now all of a sudden come at me. The, this greed to all of a sudden come at me. Well, I want this now. So I, I don't care. I'm going to stomp on somebody else to get there. So it's stirring all these things up, and I'm not even thinking about it. But the enemy is just placing it right there. We're fighting against it. So, I, I mean, I can think of a, a personal situation that before I even knew how, how to, to deal with these things or understand these things, I've talked about this story actually before. When I was young and, and playing baseball, there was a baseball team that I... I desperately wanted to be on I don't know why they were called the All-Stars. My team was called Wise Way. I should have known I needed to stay on my team just based on that alone. <laughs> but this team was good. They were they were like a year older, but I really wanted to be on that team really bad cuz they they beat our pants off every time we played them. So we we always seemed to play teams that were older than us or better than us. So I wanted to be on this team so bad. So finally, I don't know, I was probably 7 or 8. And I was like, Mom, I want to try out for that team. Dad, I want to try out for that team. So I went and and tried out for this team. Little did I know at this time, I'm only a 7- or 8-year-old kid, they've already had that team together for three or four years. They've already got their parents or coaches. Everybody's got their position. They're not taking anybody new. But I figured, well, I'm going to give it a shot. And and sure enough, I I don't know if it was the first practice, second, whatever it was, they're like, you know, we just don't feel like, you know, there's room for you on this team. And I remember the the ironic thing is my team was actually practicing on the other field. This park had two baseball fields, so my team that I grew up on was practicing on the other team. And I went over, and I was sulking. I didn't get something that I wanted, right? So I went over and sat down, and I I was feeling sorry for myself and, and, and upset and envious of these other kids. Some of them I was friends with. So I had now, all of a sudden, I had a problem with some of them. I'm like, well, I I believe some of the softball players may not believe it, but I was thinking to myself, I'm just as good as those guys. (laughs) So so I was feeling a little envious, a little angry, a little greedy, whatever. I wanted something that I, I couldn't have. But, you know, fortunately, my other team, Wiseway, Coach, knew what was going on, probably had the conversation with that coach and everything. And he came over, he grabbed me, and he said, hey, let's let's go for a walk. So we just went for a walk, got away from everything. I think I was probably crying, who knows what, just feeling upset because, you know, I, this was a big deal for a seven-year-old or whatever. So I definitely wanted this, and, and it was something that I couldn't understand. I, I didn't know how to deal with this. So finally he's talking to me, and he's like, hey, you know what? we need you more on this team than they would have needed you on their team. And and, and I'll kind of, when we close, it'll it, it kind of bring some of this to light. But So he really kind of spoke to me and said, I didn't know how to deal with those things. I didn't know how to deal with those feelings, those principalities coming against me as a young kid. But he said, you know, we need you on this team, wise way. So... I went ahead and said, I think I thought about it or whatever. I was like, I don't know, still being bitter, still being angry, still being envious. I don't know if I'm going to play for this team or not. I'm done. Maybe I'm done playing baseball, whatever. Well, two days later or whatever, I was back on the team practicing and playing. And all's well that ended well because it was where I, God wanted me to be. It was it was what I needed, and it was the right place. But my point kind of is I didn't know. I didn't understand those feelings. I didn't understand why these feelings were coming up, or especially how to handle them. But that was envy coming out of me. That was the enemy at a young age forming this in me and attacking me with this. You know, when we're young, the enemy can start building those things against us, those principalities against us and coming at us, and we don't even understand or or know how to deal with them. But I want to move on to some conflict and how envy creates conflict. And if we can pull up James Three, 13 through 17. And we're just going to look at how envy can kind of get into that. So it says, "Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation, his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy, envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. But as earthly, sensual, devilish, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But, but, with, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we can look at this envy and how it causes up and it drums up this conflict in our life. Our everyday life, we don't even understand how we get to this point, but we can see how this envy stirs this up. And and, and like I said before, these principalities that we struggle to identify with are flaws. I know Liz is certainly able to call out my flaws. And it's easy for me sometimes to respond with her flaws. (laughs) But if we continue to just do that, we're not going to accomplish anything. We're not going to get anywhere. Nothing's going to be accomplished. We're going to just keep going down that same road, that same path of never getting anything resolved, but having the same arguments, the same conflicts, and the same flaws in us that we're not dealing with, that we're not analyzing, that we're not understanding, are just going to keep coming back. Argument after argument, whatever, you know, frustration after fr- frustration, it's constantly going to be stirred up. There's something that I want that I didn't get. Something that I wanted from you that I didn't get. So our conflicts with our spouses. What's the common denominator in all of our conflicts? It's me, right, and all of mine. It's you and all of yours and our relational conflicts. We're the common denominator. Are we in analyzing these things? Are we looking at these things and saying, what is causing this to come up inside of me? What, what is it that's stirring this up? Where is this envy coming from? And is it them or is it me? And if it is them, sure, we can, we can counter and say what we're feeling or what may be a, a part of it, but I have to analyze myself and say, well, what am I feeling? Okay, so I'm not getting what I want out of this. That's the root of my anger and frustration right now. Amen? So I have to say, okay, I'm going to deal with that, but I'm also going to acknowledge that, analyze that in my life, and come back to this conflict, whatever it may be, with my wife, with my neighbor, with one of our fellow saints, and I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to look at myself and say, well, what is this? What am I not getting, maybe? What is it that I want out of this that I'm not getting that's causing this to happen? So then we look at also, we can look at this, like I said, at an early age. At an early age, the enemy is attacking us with these things. I look at London, our daughter, and right now I can see it's easy to identify when she's envious, right, or jealous. She says it flat out. She just says it. I didn't get this. You know, so-and-so is playing with this and I want it. Or, you know, we're at the, the park the other day and so-and-so is on the swing. And she puts her head down and she's crying and tears are coming out. It's easy to understand. She's telling me flat out, yes, I'm jealous. I'm envious of what they have. <laughs> so it's easy to say, all right, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm identifying that right now. There is jealousy and envy. But all of a sudden, as we get older, we try to maybe hide that. We think, we don't want to think that we deal with those things. We want to maybe think, well, we're not supposed to deal with that, right? I'm in a pew every Sunday, every Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'm studying. I'm praying. Am I supposed to be dealing with this stuff? Ah, not really. So I'm going to avoid thinking about that maybe. Maybe that's not me. Maybe it is the other person. It's definitely the other person. But we can look at a young age and say, She's saying it for what it is, but maybe I'm not saying it for what it is. I'm covering it up by something you did to me, something somebody else did to me I'm trying to to cover it up, and I'm not just going to call it for for exactly what it is and I remember also when i when I was young and uh probably around that same time identifying now I can think back of an envious situation there was a my he was my best friend he was lived a hundred yards away from us or whatever and uh but we would fight all the time. Some of them were, like, really fights. And my mom and dad are like, we don't do that. My mom, Brother Buller's teaching her, you know, hey, we don't do those things. So my mom's like, no, we don't fight. We don't fight. But fights would happen. And I remember one specific Christmas, I got a new, a new bike. You know, I was so excited. It was kind of warm out or whatever. And we called each other. What did you get? What did you get? And we're going through it. And I'm like, come over and see my new bike. I tell you what, I was 10 feet outside of my house. He met me angry already, furious that I got a new bike. And we literally got, I don't know what happened. I think it was like this standoff, and it was like, well, I'm going back to my house, and I'm going back to mine. But the thing is, it was envy. It was jealousy that that stirred that up. At this young age, this is already happening. And, And I remember the same thing with him probably, again, around the same time I was at his house playing with their toys in their room, whatever, and and there was something that I wanted that I didn't have. So he probably made me mad, or somehow the envy kind of rose up, and I took it, and I left. There was two things. And, And I got maybe 25 yards outside of the house. And amen, the Holy Ghost that I got filled with, all that whatever spoke to me, being baptized in Jesus' name, all my Sunday school teachers, Bishop Buller and Sister Buller, all the teaching that I got, that spoke to me, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, no, you're going to take this back. Amen. I turned around, walked back, put it in his house. I don't know if I did it. I I don't remember how I did it. If I said, hey, sorry, I took these, I'm bringing them back, or I just sneakily put them under something. I, I don't know. But I, I, I took them back, and, and the point is, that was already, a, as a young 7, 8-year-old, whatever it was, it was stirring up. The enemy was saying, I'm going to come at you with this principality. I'm going to come at with you with anger. I'm gonna come at you with envy. I'm gonna come at these things. And if you don't even understand it, especially if you're young and you can't even acknowledge it, you don't understand the Word of God, you don't understand the Holy Ghost that you've been filled with, it's all still new, and you don't understand how to fight these things, it's getting put in you. It's getting put in you. And we grow up with that. And we take it into our relationships, we take it into our marriages, we take it into our jobs. We take it out on our brothers and our sisters. We take these things out on the people that are closest to us half the time. The people that we're closest to are usually the ones that we're angry with or certainly the ones that we say, well, I want something, but I didn't get it. It generally is from a spouse. You know, I think about it, and it's a great book, Love and Respect, We were definitely, Pastor referred it to, Brother Enos referred it to us when we were engaged and about ready to get married. I know it's one of the books that everybody recommends to anybody that's in a marriage, no matter how long you've been married. But it's a great book, and I think about that. You know, respect is a big thing for men, husbands. And if we're not getting it, that's going to stir up that anger. If my wife's not getting the love that she needs, that's going to stir that up. It's something, right, that we're not getting that we're expecting the other person to provide. So we have to understand and say, what is this? Again, I'm going to keep saying it because we have to understand, what is it? Where is it coming from? Why am I feeling this way? What is the bottom line? What is it when I boil all this down inside of me, what am I really feeling? What is it that's causing this conflict? I'm not going to just look at my reaction. I'm not going to just go by the emotion that I'm feeling because I've had a bad day. But I'm going to dig down deep into this, and what is it that's causing this? and According to this and according to different scriptures in James, it's envy. It's jealousy. It's something that we're not getting that we wanted. It's something that's not getting fulfilled in us that we wanted. So now I'm going to continue on this relational problem. And again, it doesn't even have to be a spouse. It could be somebody, like we said, that you work with that just happens to be better at their job than you or smarter than you, makes more money than you, whatever it may be, but you dig it down. And you say, do I have a problem with them? Or do I maybe have a problem with something that they have that I want? So we start digging down, and we say, that's envy. That's something inside of me. So now I have to look at that and say, okay, what's the common denominator? It's me. How can it be this coworker, this <clears throat> brother or sister, or this uh, spouse Whomever it is, I got to look at myself and I have to say, okay, what is it when I really start digging down deep that's causing this? So we can see it at an early age and we can start to identify it. And we have to dig down and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? What is the absolute root of this feeling? And it's something usually that we didn't get that we expected from somebody. I mean, we can look at the Bible. Amen. I mean, how much conflict I mean, we can start with Eve. We can start with Eve and and Satan, that old serpent, tempting her with with the knowledge of good and evil, saying, you'll be like God. God." So was she envious? Adam, you know, is right there too. He's not going to get a free pass. But right there, there's envy that he hits him with and greed. So the enemy right there at the beginning in Genesis is starting to hit with these things. So we can see how Eve was tempted. Taste this. You'll be like God. Envious. Causing her to be envy of that and want that. Well, this is something that I can't have or I'm not supposed to have. So I'm going to be envious and I want that. Cain. Cain and Abel. What happened? Cain was jealous. Joseph and his brothers. David and his brothers. We could go on and on, and we can look at all these conflicts in the Word of God where somebody was jealous or envious of somebody, and, and they caused a big conflict. I mean, Joseph's brothers were envious of his, of his dad, Joseph's relationship with his dad. So they, what did they do? They ended up beating him, throwing him in a pit, and, and, and look what happened. But there was something that came from them causing those envious feelings to rise up, causing those things to rise up inside of them. To, to, to cause this action. And, and, and what did Joseph do? He just dealt with it because it wasn't even something that he, he was feeling towards them. So their envious feelings stir that up. So we can see all these conflicts that, that cause these, these problems and have to identify them and say, okay, there's something that I want that I'm not getting. But then we have to look at what is the solution And thank the Lord there is a solution. Thank God he has given us a solution. In Jesus' name, he's given us an out. So all those things that we think about and that we deal with, that our emotions stir us up, our personal relationships stir them up, deep-seated things that happened to us when we were growing up, wherever it came from, that constantly stir those things up. You know, I, I look at how often does it happen that, We we come to church on a a Sunday morning, and and we powerful word is is preached. We come up to the altar. A great move of God happens. We feel delivered. We feel like God has changed something. We feel great again. Our heart feels so good. We feel like, wow, I've just been delivered. I'm not going to have to deal with this anymore. I, I know I've overcome this now, and I feel great. I get up. I'm tearing up, I'm, I'm crying, I feel so amazing, I'm ready to go out and take on the world and we don't even make it out the door before somebody's hit us with something. <laughs> Between the altar and the door. We don't even, we don't even make it to the door before the, the, somebody has said something. Maybe they know, maybe they saw you get in a blessing and they were envious and they said it on purpose. I don't know, it really doesn't matter. But that can happen. Hopefully we make it through the night, through the rest of the day Sunday. And we're feeling good Sunday. We come back Sunday night. We're still feeling blessed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got victory right now. I'm never going to struggle with this again. I have defeated this. The enemy's been defeated. Amen. All these things. We're feeling great. And then we get home and then Monday morning comes. And maybe you get lucky and you make it out the house. I don't know, before the kids are pawing at you before your toast gets burnt, I, I don't know. The first thing that's going to set us off, right? Who knows? But we, we've made it out of the house. The kids got dropped off at school. I'm feeling good. Amen. All right, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going I'm to take on that that coworker that I know I struggle with all the time. I'm going to rock the high road today because I got victory. I got victory now. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Then somebody cuts us off. But say we get through that. Say you're coming up to the spot on the road where you know every time somebody always comes up to the very end and cuts over. But you know what? I prepared for it this morning and I'm saying, no way. You're not going to get me today. You can come on up. I'll let you over. There you go. Come on over. Amen. Hallelujah. I already prayed this out. You got got nothing on me. (laughs) Amen. We've made it that far. Hallelujah. Then we get to work. And, And... You know, we're feeling good going into work, wherever it may be. And and, and that coworker that gets you every time, you say, nope, not today. Sir, not today, ma'am. I'm prayed up. I prayed about you this morning. Right when I got cut off, I called out your name too saying, Lord God, bless him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So you're not going to get me. I know you hit me right away with the same thing, and it gets me every time. Nope, not today. amen Amen. but you know somehow still the enemy's like no way I I got you I got you I know what button that button didn't work today all right okay well I'm gonna have you know your school call over your kid or your boss somebody unexpected maybe it's your spouse maybe it's your parents somebody the enemy's gonna he's not gonna let up he's gonna keep coming at you and say all right that button didn't work today I'm going to press this one. Whew, wow, all right, you really are feeling it today. You really did get blessed yesterday. So, all right, that didn't work. But it's going to keep hitting us and keep hitting us. And then something eventually most of the time gets us, right? I mean, how many times have you been walking in the spirit? Hallelujah, I drive to work, got my Pandora on, Donnie McClurkin, whatever it may be, and I'm feeling good, amen. And then something you know, that you don't expect. The enemy says, "Not nah, remember, I'm studying. All these things, that may not work on you usually, but today it is. Today I'm going to get you. So this time, I'm going to hit you with this. I don't know, maybe you make it to Tuesday, and then here we are Wednesday night. Hallelujah, I'm going get, to get back on my saddle. But the point is, he's going to keep coming at us, and we have to understand and identify and say, what is this? You know, where is this coming from? Because, yeah, all those things that I thought I overcame today, you hit me over here. I didn't even expect this. This normally doesn't doesn't get me, but today it got me. Today it got me, and it knocked me down. And now I find myself back at that place where I'm not doing the things that God wants me to do. I'm not living in the victory that God wants me to live in because I didn't identify and know that that's what it is. It's principalities coming against us. And I'm gonna tear down into the bottom of, it, of everything inside of me and say, What is it? What is it? That's what it is. It's not that person. It's not what they said today. It's not this new person that came from out of nowhere. No, it's me. It's the common denominator. It's what the enemy is trying to distract me with. It's what the enemy's trying to attack me with and what he's trying to get me to not even think about, to not have a game plan to stand up against, to not have a fight to not have a word, to not know the word of God, to say, this is what I'm going to come at you with. So we have to know what the solution is. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we can look at James 4. And we can see James talked a lot about this, but we go to James chapter 4, 2 and 3. It says, ye lust, ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So, we ask not. There's our solution. We have not because we ask not. But then we have to say, is this what God wants? Is this what God wants me to have? So, we can say, Lord, you say to ask for this, so I'm going to ask for this. And then it doesn't happen. So does that stir up that envy again? Does that stir that envy back up? Because God knows better than us what we need and what's good for us. I certainly at times in my life, if it was just that simple, you get what you ask for. What if I was 16 and asked for a Lamborghini? Chances are I'd be driving 200 miles an hour up Clough Pike, Brother John, and that would not be a good situation. But God knows you can't handle that. So we have to trust God and say, you know what, I'm going to ask. He wants us to ask anyway, right? God is waiting for us to ask. Like I said, there's something that we want that we're not getting from somebody else. So if I'm consistently wanting something for my wife or she's wanting something for me, amen, trust me. I'm going to try to provide that for her. But if I'm dealing with whatever I am and everything that's in my DNA and what I have been raised with and that I'm struggling with, If I don't know how to give that to her, it's not for me to give anyway. It's for God to fill that void. So God's saying, ask me. I'm the one that put that need inside of you. I'm the one that put that emptiness inside of you. I'm the one that put that desire inside of you in the first place. Your spouse didn't do it. I put that there. So why are you going to ask your spouse to provide something that only I can fulfill? But amen, I am going to try my best to do that. And I know that she's going to do that for me. But the point is, we have to ask, we have to go to God. Lord, you help me with this. Lord, you 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 fill this. And I'm going to ask, and I'm going to know that, you know what, if, if you don't provide this, it was the right thing for me. I couldn't handle it at this time. So maybe if I would have got on the All-Stars, I would have been the cockiest kid in the neighborhood and, Everybody would have hated me, and my mom would have said, You're crazy. Get out of this house. I'm disowning you. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? It may not have been good for me. But being on Wise Way, God said, Yeah, that's good for you. Go the Wise Way. That's the right place to be. God knows. And He's asking us to ask Him. So, you know, we can say, Hey, that's the answer. Pray, pray, ask God, pray, ask God. And then when we ask people, so did you pray about it? They say, yeah, I've been praying about it. I've been praying about that over and over and over. I've been asking God to please change my husband. Please change my wife. That's not what God's asking us to pray about. He's probably not going to change that person in order to keep you from identifying exactly what it is. Because if I'm changed, or we'll say if Liz is changed and I don't change, we'll, we'll say it that way. If she's changed but I'm not changed, is God changing and perfecting me? No. It, it's gotta, he's got to perfect each one of us. He wants to perfect each one of us. And he's not going to use somebody else, a spouse, a, a neighbor, a parent, or even our pastor necessarily to perfect, because then us, because then we're going to rely on that person. That's going to be my go-to. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for our pastor. I'm thankful for my elders because I know I can go to them and my friends, and I can say, hey, can you help me with this? And you know what? They're probably going to say, did you pray about it? Go pray about it. But yeah, here's kind of what I'm thinking, or God may have put this on my heart, and God will give our friends a word, thank God. But ultimately, he wants it to come from him. He wants to be the one that perfects us and says, No, I'm not gonna change them. I'm gonna change you. Because when I change you, then you are being perfected in me. So it all comes from Christ, it comes from that cross. And that's what he wants to do. That's our solution. It's not gonna be praying, Hey, change this other person. It's gonna be, Change me. So we have to understand how to pray and say, Lord, I'm not, I, I realize now, I've done this analyzing, I've done this, this, this search inside of me with this issue at my job. Or this converta- confrontation I constantly have with my spouse, or my sister, or my brother, or, or whoever it may be. And, and I've, con- I've looked into it deep enough, Lord, and, and you've taught me that this envy comes up, or this greed comes up. All these things that, that, that come up inside of me and stir me up. You've helped me to understand and identify, okay, I didn't get from them something that I wanted. Now I've identified that, so what am I going to do? How, how, how am I going to pray about this? What do I say, Lord? And pastor said it many times, and it's such a, a wonderful revelation to pray for. Lord, help me to feel about that, this how I should feel. How should I feel about this feeling that's inside of me? We can't run from it again. We can't run from it or cover it up with something else or cover it up with some kind of somebody else did me wrong, cover it up with somebody else's problem or somebody else's flaws. We have to say, okay, help me to understand, why do I feel this way? Why, do I, why does this conjure this feeling up? And help me to understand, how should I feel about this right now, Lord? I feel envious right now. Why do I feel envious? Help me. Take this from me, Lord. Help me to understand why it is that I feel this way. And he's going to correct it. He's going to purify it. He's going to fix it. So the last scripture I want to look at is James 1 and 7. And we'll come to a close in just a second. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Jesus. So... We can look at anything that's good is going to come from God. Anything that's good is going to come from God. It's not going to come from somebody else. He's the one that's saying, he's the one that's saying, I want to fix that. I want to give you that good and perfect gift. I want to give you that thing that's going to correct you and correct the inside of you. I want to be the one. And everything that's good comes from above. Everything that's good comes from God. It doesn't come from man so I'm not going to be able to provide that for, for my wife or for somebody else. He can give me goodness to help them. He can give me a good word for them. But it's all got to be based in this. It's all got to be in this word. And it's all got to come from heaven. It's got to come from him. That's where it's going to come from. So we know that when we, when we recognize these things, when we, when, we, when we look at these things and we analyze these things and say, okay, I've identified that it's not this person. It's not that person. It's not this situation. It's not what somebody did to me. It's something that I, I wanted. It's something that I didn't get and something that caused me to feel that way, that stirred up this envious inside of me. And when I recognize that, what freedom that gives me. That gives me a release. That gives me such a huge relief. Just to even think about that and think, Lord, okay, there's something, there's times in my life where I didn't get something and it caused these anger issues or it caused this this feeling towards somebody else. Now I'm identifying that, where it's coming from, that it's coming from me and it's coming from this situation that I didn't get what I wanted. What What a great feeling. And then I even feel better when I know, okay, I don't have to fix it, amen? I don't have to be the one that corrects it. I don't have to be the one that says, all right, I'm going to take it out on you. I'm going to make you fix it. Or again, I'm going to pray for you to be changed. What a free feeling to say it's those two things. It's something that's coming from inside of me. And it's only something that only God can heal. It's something that only God can fill. It's something that only God can cleanse and give me that freedom. Then when I have a problem with my spouse or a coworker, I can say, this is a principality. This is something that the enemy is attacking me with and God can fix. So if I've got this feeling, I'm going to dig down deep and recognize it and say, Lord, help me with this feeling. This is coming from something that that I wanted, something that somebody's not giving me, but Lord, you can give it to me. And if you don't want to give it to me, it's for a reason. It's because you don't want me to necessarily have it right now. Maybe he will at some time, maybe he won't. But he's the answer. And we are the problem. And when we recognize that, what a free feeling that is. What a wonderful feeling that is to just let that go. How many conflicts in our lives? How many conflicts on our marriages? How many conflicts on the job? I can go back through my life. How many times in our lives? How many things have been layered up in our relationships? How many problems right now do we have with people in our family or coworkers, people that we haven't talked to in years that have come from something like this, that we have just harbored this grudge, had this feeling, and ultimately we realize they didn't give me something that I wanted. But, God, you're the one that's supposed to give it to me. And as we close, I just want to say the last thing. How much time do we spend coveting something? Lord God, help us. Jesus, how much time do we spend thinking, if I just had that, if I just had this, and not thinking about and being appreciative for the things that God has given us? How much of our time do we spend wanting something that maybe God doesn't want us to have? How many houses do I drive by that say, if I had that house? How many cars? How many co-workers incomes? How many relationships do we look at and think theirs is better than mine? How do we know? How do we know what they're struggling with? We we caught up in what Facebook posts are saying or or what Hollywood's saying or what movies are saying. or or, or Everything's perfect. But yet, so we're thinking all the time. If I just had this, if I just had that constantly looking at the next thing. What's next? What can I get next? I need that. I need this. I, I, I want that. Consuming our mind with what we want and what we don't have. And maybe God doesn't want us to have it. How do we know how we're going to handle it? I, I I mean, I can think of times when, when people have had so much and you see them just fall. I mean, how many, we can look at Whatever star, Hollywood, music industry, whatever it is, how come they're constantly not fulfilled? How come their marriages are constantly falling apart? They're constantly caught with drugs or alcohol or constantly going into problems. They would seemingly have everything, fame and fortune, but they don't. So we're constantly looking at things and saying, if I just had that, how much of our day is spent thinking if I could just have that, if I could just have this? When? I have this. When I have that, how many times have we wanted something so bad, and then when we got it, immediately it was like, "What's next? What, what, what what do I want next? What's the next bigger, better thing?" I don't know. I hope this spoke to you all. It spoke to me. And again, I think that this, this this series was fantastic life application. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And if we don't recognize that, if we don't identify that, and we don't say, Lord, help me with this, you're the answer. It's not getting that thing that I want. It's not getting that next desire. It's not having my spouse or somebody, you know, be who I want them to be. It's who you change me to be. Can we just stand and seek God for a minute? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, I give you praise and glory. Lord, thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to identify these enemies of the heart, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to seek you first for everything. To know that these en- these envies and jealousies and angers and greeds are enemies of our heart, Lord. They're distracting us. They're distracting and taking away from our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, Lord Jesus. Help us, Jesus. You're the answer. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we just seek him for a minute? Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh. To Thee, my blessed Saviour, I surrender all, and I surrender all. Hallelujah. I surrender. To Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender.